What up, what up, what up, everyone? This is Dr. Dennis Tian. This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I'm here with my main man, the CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, uh, you know, it's nice that we get to podcast at least because we're heading into, uh, what, the worst part of the football season, the Patriots bye week? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's kind of a weird week. It's, 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 it's nice to have a week though, where you just watch other teams games and not have to worry about the Patriots too. That's sort of the other side of the coin on that, you know? Yeah, no, it is. It is nice being able to have, I guess, a, uh, a weekend of, of warrior free football, but by the same token, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a long week for me without the Patriots. I know it is for you too. So it's uh, it's gonna be interesting coming off the bye week. We got a couple winnable games coming up, uh, over five hundred for the first time, and uh, yeah, I, I think we're in an interesting place. We are in a very interesting place, Justin. We are in a very interesting place. So, I um I, I should say, you know, look as always, we have a great uh, roster of topics today to talk about the game, to talk about the state of this team, and what's really I think a pretty big measuring stick for them we're halfway through the season they're nine um games into a 17 game schedule so this is a real time to kind of take the temperature of this team and the season and this franchise and let's face it not everything's going well for them so i I think there's a lot to look at it and certainly not everything is gone um according to plan but let's get right into it justin we got we got a lot to get to man okay yeah let's do it i mean uh i'm uh I'm eager to get into it. I mean, uh, that, that that was a crazy yeah. game last week. Um, you know, just well, that's, that was going to be the opening take, right? Because let's talk about the game last yeah. week, okay? And that was a game where that was a one-sided game. That right. was a win, a 23-point win, okay, against a team that say what you will about them, and I know that they're somewhat feckless with a backup quarterback in there. They are 0-8. They were 3-4-1 and going into that game. So they were a somewhat respectable team. Maybe you could argue against that because they're playing Ellinger out there instead of Matt Ryan or Nick Foles or whoever else. And maybe that makes them the worst team in the short term. But the bottom line is that any team has some talent on defense. Um, they, they have, they're not a total flame out washout is what I guess I'm trying to say. Patriots win that game one-sided okay never really in doubt i think when the patriots took a 13 to nothing lead i felt confident that that was it the game was over okay um it was a outright dominant performance by the patriots defense they made big plays they took care of business um and and they gave literally almost nothing to the indianapolis colts so justin with all that considered 23 point wins in this league are hard to come by why does it feel more to me? And I think to a lot of Patriots fans, almost like a loss. Like, what is it about this game where if you told me when this team was one and three with an injured quarterback that they were going to be five and four going into the bye, I would have been pretty happy with that. So why do I think myself, and I'm wondering about you, and I think most Patriots fans, why do we feel like, 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 almost like it was a loss on Sunday against the Colts. Well, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I was going to say it. It's kind of crazy because we won so dominant, you know, in such a dominant fashion, but yet it doesn't feel that rewarding. And I'm right there with you. And I'll tell you personally why it doesn't feel that way for me. Um, and that's because, look, I like in the past, like there were teams of old, you know, 
to the in the Tom Brady days when we had a roaring offense and we were praying for a defense like this, you know, we're begging for a defense like this and, and you know hoping that we could win games based, you know, uh, you know, relying on our defense. Um and that's what we got the other day, but it just wasn't satisfying. And I think it wasn't satisfying relying on the defense to be dominant and win a game because our offense just really didn't look that good. And I think at this point, the biggest question on everybody's mind, I don't think it's the offensive line. I don't think it's the defense. I don't think it's the coaching. I think it's the viability of Mac Jones. And to take it a step further, is Mac Jones the right move over Bailey Zappi? And I think that's still a big question in a lot of people's minds. Um, and when you don't see him come out and play super well, uh, you know, on a consistent basis now, it seems like, you know, it, it, it's going to detract from the win. See, I disagree a little bit. For I, I haven't heard a lot of talk about Bailey Zappi the last couple of weeks because I think what happened against the Bears a couple nights ago and, and the way the Patriots have handled the situation now the last two weeks at least has, I think, put a lot of that to bed. I agree with you. It is a little bit about Mac Jones. But, Justin, the thing that really, I think, really is demoralizing all of us is not only that this team looks so imperfect on offense. Okay, I think you would have a hard time calling this a work in progress. I think you would have a hard time saying that they're, they're, is, they're headed in the right direction, right? Like, this team feels like they're either stuck in the mud, they're stuck in neutral, or they're going backwards. It doesn't feel like there's even a pathway forward based on what we've seen the last month or so for this team and for this franchise to even figure out their offensive woes. Do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, I, 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 I do agree with it. Um, uh, look, I, it's, not that, it, it's not that Mac has looked bad by any means, okay? And it's not that... Um, you know, it, it's not that I don't see the potential moving forward, but I look the the, the last couple weeks and you know, it, it's just it's been a very difficult time for Patriots fans when you're. But, you but know, Justin, what, what we should be realizing now as Patriots fans, and I think you just made the mistake a lot of, of us have made, and a lot of people have made, is I think we're putting too much of this at the foot of Mac Jones. This team has deep rooted systemic problems on offense that go far beyond whoever's playing quarterback i'm not going to sit here and tell you that mac jones is playing good quarterback he's not i'm super disappointed in mac jones but i think he's had the carpet pulled out from underneath him and to me when you look across the board and you tell me tell me one unit on this offensive side of the ball that's playing up to what we thought they would be before the season tell me one player that's exceeding their potential on this offense tell me one position group that you feel better about today than you did back before the season started. You can't. And I think that has to fall back to the coaches. To me, I blame Matt Patricia because this is a global pattern of dysfunction on this offense that, that, that per pervades through every position group, pretty much every player and more or less almost every game this season. It has to fall back to the offensive coordinator at some point. Of course, Mac is underperforming. So is Nelson Aguiar. So is Kendrick Bourne. So is Hunter Henry. So is Trent Brown. So is Isaiah Wynn. You could go down the list. All these guys are underperforming. What's the common thread in all of it? It's the coaching staff. This, this is a coaching staff from day one. 
and you can record, we, we recorded in April when they made this plan in March, whenever it was, they made this commitment to Patricia and Judge, right? Did we like the plan back in March, Justin? Or did we say it was a terrible plan? No, we said it was a terrible plan. We said it was a terrible plan from the beginning. Everyone did because it made no sense. These guys were not qualified or experienced to do the job. Nine games into this thing, it feels like they're going backwards. They have one of the most pathetic offenses in the league. You know, see, you were born in 1994, all right? You don't remember. I, this is like this is what it was like in 1991-92 when I was a kid, man. Okay, this offense is completely pathetic. Um, they they don't score unless their defense hands them an opportunity on a silver platter. Um, it's a bad offense. And, and, and the coach at some point has to be held accountable for it, especially when he was a huge gamble. I'm not saying the coach isn't, it, it, you know, shouldn't be held responsible. And I, and I do agree. If you go up and down the position, you know, the only position that I would say is performing up to par or even, maybe even above, uh, above expectations is the running back room. And that's just specifically Ramondre Stevenson. Damian Harris has been hurt. So, you know, you can't really judge him, but I think Ramondre has been great. But to your point, the tight ends have been underwhelming. The O-line has been underwhelming. The wide receiving uh, group has been underwhelming. Mac Jones has been underwhelming. Unfortunately, though, the reality of the matter is whether that's all true and it all does fall back to the coaching, it, it doesn't, I don't think it changes the fact that Mac Jones is going to be the most high-profile story on this offense, and he's going to get the most attention. He's going to get the most outbursts and in, 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 in backlash from, from fans in the media, whether, they, whether it's, he's deserved of it or not. Um, and I just think that's going to be the first, con- you know, the first question or the first conversation that is going to be had when it comes to the Patriots, you know, before anybody gets to the tight ends, the O-line, you know, et cetera. And, 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 and look, you're right. Well, you're right. I mean, cl- clearly that's what's happened, right, is that, is that Mac has become the whipping boy for this dysfunctional operation. But I look at this, and to be fair, to be fair, Mac Jones's regression started last December. It did not start this year. But if you even look at where he was in that last three or four games where he was a little bit on the decline, okay, and then he came on that playoff game, he was like the lone bright spot from that playoff game, the way he played against Buffalo. You know, you look at where he was at the end of last year to where he is now in the middle of this year. He is, and this offense is a shell of what it was at that point um, from last year to this year. And I feel like it's hard for me to see a scenario where Mackier's second-year regression, which does happen sometimes, could take him from a borderline Pro Bowl quarterback, from a from 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 a guy that's for four thousand yards, twenty-three touchdowns, twelve picks, had a really respectable, very good, top fifteen-ish kind of season, to a guy that literally they've driven the field once in the last two weeks. If they hit a fifteen-yard pass, it's a miracle. I mean, this is a regression of historic proportions. And I think that we got to start, stop putting and dumping it on Mac and, and put more of the blame on Matt Patricia and Joe judge, because they're not doing a good job at all. And Oh, by the way, they also coach the offensive line and they're sucking too. So what point do you just, just say, Hey, we got to take, a, we're putting too much on Mac. We got to put this, a lot of this where it belongs. And that's on the coaches. Yeah. I mean, Look, the, the coaches can't escape from this either. I don't think there's anybody who's who, who's blameless, right? And, yeah, we were worried about it all year. Um, look, they have had their games and their moments when the coaching staff and the offense does look pretty good. But I think overall, very underwhelming, very disappointing. 
Um, and look, yeah, we can talk about the position groups and the players and the individuals all day, but I think, um, yeah, I, I agree. You got to go back to, to Patricia. But when have they really looked good? You know, like when have they really, when have you really felt when they've played subpar defenses and teams? They, I mean, they haven't looked good. I think against a quality opponent so far this year. Who have they looked good against this year? The uh, Browns. Yeah, I, yeah, they, they look, look good against the Browns they, at times. They look pretty good against the Browns. I'm just trying to think back to uh, Detroit. They really did not look good. I mean, I know that they scored points, but that was more because Detroit, 0 for nine on fourth down, they kept handing the ball to the Patriots in their own territory. I mean, I, I mean, really, like you know, on Green Bay, they they really didn't move the ball that well. There was a pick six. They scored once or twice. You know, when when if you really think about it, when have they really looked good? Save for a little bit of that Browns game. I don't know. Just saying, you know. Yeah, I mean, I. They haven't looked great for sure. That's that's a definite. I mean, yeah, they've they've had their moments. I don't even, you know, but, but I guess to your point, it's it's less about them. You know, they haven't really been able to string it together consistently. Um, they've just had like isolated moments, isolated plays, isolated drives that look good. Um, but you're right, they haven't really been able to, you know, string it together in a in a in a cohesive fashion for almost the whole game, let alone multiple games. I mean, they've really never looked good at any point going back to the beginning of the preseason for more than maybe against that really bad Browns defense. Um, that, that that was probably the only time they looked decent. But even in that game, it's not like they were the 2000 Rams. I mean, you're talking about um, they were just kind of respectable and the defense made enough plays to put them in a position to win the game, and they did so. I guess what I'm saying, Justin, my overall take is is, is that, look, I'm not absolving Mac Jones from 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 his poor play. I, I do. I'm very disappointed in Mac Jones um, and what he's done. But I just think that New England fans, um, the football world, needs to start putting more of the responsibility for this on Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and less on Mac Jones because I think Mac Jones is more a victim of 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 a very frankly incompetent offensive coaching staff that then he is an actual player that, that has looked as bad as he's looked this year. And that, that's just my two cents. Look, yeah. And, and I don't hate that. I just don't think he's helping himself at all. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think that's very valid. I just, you know, I'm not seeing him do anything that, that shows me, Hey, this is a super talented kid struggling with a, uh, a dysfunctional offense. I mean, he, he hasn't, you know, he, he hasn't looked that good in really any situation. No, he hasn't. He hasn't looked good. But 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 he, you know, it's it's just hard to say when when you saw what he looked like last year. I mean, what did we say all last year? Well, his floor is he's above average. What's his ceiling? That was the question going into this year. Was that what can Max ceiling be an elite quarterback? We felt comfortable that we knew what, that his floor was an above average type. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Kirk Cousins range. That's what we all thought was his floor. I'll ask you right now, Justin, is Mac Jones performing anywhere near that um, floor right now? No, I would say right now. The bottom fell out of his floor. The bottom fell out completely. I'd say right now his floor is a below-average quarterback. And or the worst quarterback in the league. Seriously. Not even below average. Seriously, He's been yeah. one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So, so if, if his floor at the end of last year was, was average, and, and now a year, half a season later we're saying his floor – is is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league in the course of nine games 
with all the negativity surrounding this coaching staff, all the questions around their experience, the way they did training camp, the way they did their preseason, the personnel decision, everything. I'm sorry. Like, there is more to play than just this player struggling. There, there are other things at play. We thought this was at least a safe bet. And, and this guy has just gone in a complete and total nosedive in, in the course of a half a season. Um, you know, th- to me, that's a huge indictment of the Patriots office and coaches. Yeah, we uh, again, that's just going to be something else that we got to hope improves, you know, the rest of the season. Because look, our team's in five and four. We got a couple of winnable games coming up. And we've put ourselves, you know, despite the blunders, despite the injuries uh, to Mac, despite the coaching uh, incompetency, we've somehow found ourselves, you know, almost halfway or about halfway through the season in a decent spot to make the playoffs. Well, and that, and that's it. I mean, you know, because we were talking about, you know, and that, that's absolutely true that they're, they're in a good spot to, 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 I mean, look, when they were one and three, Okay, we we were saying their season might not be relevant past the midseason point. And they're at a point now where the second half of their season is at least going to be relevant, right? So we should be thrilled about that, shouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's the double-edged sword. I'm thrilled that we're in the position we are given what we've done so far. But it also like really, you know, ticks me off that hey, a couple of plays here and there, a couple of uh you know, uh, a, a couple of things go our way, and and this is easily a team that you know could be seven and two, six and three, right? So, uh, yeah, the five yeah, and four. Take it back take. to the original. Take it back to the original point, right? And and like, okay, they're five and four, and in, in a sense, they're actually well positioned to make a run um, if they can win some games coming down the stretch here. They're right in the thick of it, you know, really wide open AFC, and yet. Why do we feel like the sense of disappointment around this team, right? It's because we just see it as fans that there's something so wrong about the way this team plays offense that, I mean, a five and four team that's just won, have they won four out of five games now, right? The, uh... Yeah, they won Cleveland, Detroit, then they lost to Chicago, and then they won um, Indy and the Jets. So they've won okay, four out yeah. of five teams. Yeah. They're, they're a five and four team. That's just won four out of five teams. They just won a big division game on the road two weeks ago. Came back against the mediocre or less to be opponent, but not a terrible opponent this week and won. We should feel good about about this team and where they are right now. We should feel like they're getting hot at the right time. We should feel like they're about to make a run. You know, in years past, if they were like five and four and 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 on a four out of five winning streak going into mid-November, wouldn't we all feel good about that? So why do we all feel so bad about this team? It's because what we see in the fields, what we see in the offense, they're hopeless. They're hopeless. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to say, I like, I hate saying hopeless because like, I really, you know, I really do feel like they have some pieces there to at least be usable. Right, you know. Let me I'm restate right. that. Let me restate that. They're not hopeless. They, they they need to improve significantly on offense, and they have not shown any real meaningful signs that that is something that's going to happen. Oh, you know, in the in the time frame we need to happen. Like eight games left. Can you see? They would have to make such tremendous progress, almost like a night and day change over the final eight weeks of the season. It's hard to imagine that, given what we've seen so far this year. That's a better way to say it. 
Yeah, yeah, they, uh, yeah, something, something definitely does need to change or click or you know fall into place. Maybe getting a healthy Damian Harris back and being able to rely a little bit heavy, you know, more heavily on that uh, running game, especially while your defense is playing so well. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that'll be a key for success, you know, in, in, in the long run. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll see a wide receiver step up in the second half of the year, kind of like we saw Bourne step up in the second half of the uh, year last year. Um, and, and hopefully the coaching staff will just improve as the season gets on. But, you know, look, you find yourself at a good opportunity. You go and beat the Jets um, next week. You know, you can, uh, you know, you, you'll be what? You could potentially be a game out of first place, right? Absolutely. No, it is. And that's what I mean. Like the, the opportunity is there for this team. It, it really is. So Justin, let me ask you this. Um, you know, um, we talk a lot about Mac Jones and, 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 and clearly I'm feel like we should be putting more blame on the coaching staff than him right now, because he just looks so, so bad. Um, but, but, you know, you look at him and clearly now it's become not just a, a, a it's become a psychological thing for Mac, right? Like he's out of sync. Uh, he has no confidence. I think having him come to the Bears game, throw an interception, and then pulling him out of the game. I just think he's afraid to take chances now. I don't think he trusts the players around him. Um, I don't think he trusts the coaches. And I don't think he believes in the scheme. Um, my question for you is, before we move on to the next topic, this has been a master class, okay, in how to ruin a second-year quarterback. It really has. Um, is Mac Jalen's damaged goods? permanently now is Matt is Matt Jones going to be able to recover from what's happened this year um it, it's getting I, I feel like it's possible but, but I feel like it's getting harder I feel like he's I think he's really sustaining real damage I mean look if uh if there's any chance for him to recover it's going to be you know you either have to bring in a real offensive coordinator next year or uh, by the grace of God, Matt Patricia has to, you know, figure his shit out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know how likely that is. Um, you know, and then you got to upgrade some of his weapons. I get it. Like, you know, you've gone out and you've paid people. Uh, you have the highest paid tight end room, the highest paid receiver room. Um, you know, you went out and you drafted someone like Taekwondo Thor, and it's not enough. It really isn't. You need a star. You need like a go-to stud that you can put out there that can demand double coverage, that can make – that can make, you know, catch 50-50 balls, can make game-changing plays. We don't have that. We desperately need that. You know, you look at all the good young quarterbacks in the league, I feel like they have a guy like that. Um, and then we also need to solidify that O-line, um, you know, how, however we have to do it because, you know, Mac has shown uh, that, A, he's not, you know, it actually, he actually did look a little bit mobile the other night, but he's shown that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the best uh you know, pocket presence, you know, he's not the most aware quarterback. Oh, Lamar Jackson. No, no, by, by, by no means. And um, right. we but also, I don't think, honestly, like, what were we saying about him last year? Last year we were saying he has good pocket presence. He has good, he handles pressure well. And there are statistics to back that up from last year. So now all of a sudden this year, he has terrible pocket presence and he handles pressure terribly. What changed? You know, it's the scheme, it's the coaches, it's the plays they're calling the, you know, the way things are being coached. That's, that's what changed. Do you think part of it too, though, could be the fact that last year as a rookie, you know, with, with our expectations just being so low for the sheer fact that he was an unproven rookie, it was almost like we took mediocrity and ran with it and maybe thought it was a little bit better than it really was in reality right and now it's the, you know his second year we're expecting a lot more out of him he's no longer a rookie 
this, this, and that. Um, but Justin, this isn't even mediocrity or anything close to it. This is way below mediocrity. The guy's been awful this year. Five touchdowns and seven interceptions. It's only like 1,100 yards in five games. Like This isn't anywhere close to mediocrity. So, yeah, if this was mediocrity, I'd say, you know, maybe we overreacted to it. Maybe, like I said, like everyone said last year, he just doesn't have the high ceiling that we thought he had. But, but, but his, you know, when you see this kind of just free fall, there has to be external factors, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think that, I think that they're, they're at risk of doing permanent damage to this guy. And it's a real shame because I feel like he did have a shot. I feel like he has more talent than people give him credit for. And I don't think his problem is physical. And when I watch him play, I don't feel like Max's problem is physical. I feel like the guy has been ruined. And and look, you know, there was a lot of buzz a few weeks ago about how, um, you know, Mac was this like bad seed because he had expressed concerns about the coaches to Mr. Kraft, right? Let me tell you something. Maybe Mac Jones is the one that was in the right here, right? Maybe Mac was in the right. Maybe Mac sees that this is a, doesn't work. Maybe Mac Jones knows more about this offense and more about how to run an offense than Matt Patricia does. I mean, really, would that surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. And and it's like, you know, I don't know. I just think they're ruining this guy. They're they're flirting with permanently damaging his psyche. And 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 um, if things don't go well the second half of this year, um, it's going to be really tough. Now, so that brings me to my next question, which is. Will Matt Patricia be the offensive coordinator, Justin? Is there a chance in 2023? Is there a chance that if this goes south or if it just stays the way it is, that Belichick will move on from Patricia? I mean, I can't, I like, I can't, you know, justify why he potentially would come back next year. But I, I have a weird feeling. Like, don't you, don't you just have a weird feeling that like he's not going to go out? And bring anybody in, or elevate anybody, or make any moves to address that. He's gonna. Yeah, well, let's start with this. Should should Belichick move on from Patricia, based on what we've seen through nine games? If this if this continues, if this is what the offense is like, and and Mac finishes the year with like you know 10, uh, 11 touchdowns and, and eleven interceptions and and twenty four hundred yards, you know what I mean? Like a bad season. Should Belichick move on from Patricia? Well, look, the tough part the tough part about answering that is like we know Patricia is a very smart guy. And so like, you don't want to put it past the guy that if he had, I don't know that. I don't know that. And I'm not, I'm not conceding. So you can, you can think, I don't, I think the guy's a fraud. (laughs) I really do. I mean, I'm not even necessarily saying like a football genius. I'm saying like, he's just like, I think he's a high IQ guy. Because he went to, he went to college. I mean, he was like a a rocket scientist. Not a rocket scientist. No, he's not a rocket. If he was a rocket scientist, he would work for NASA. Okay. He's a football coach. And I don't even think he's a very good one. Like why, why does it, why do we, what is so smart about this guy? I've watched this guy be a complete flame out in Detroit, a complete flame out in New England. And I thought a super overrated DC. I, I don't think he's a super smart guy. No, I really don't. But go on, continue, make your point. Well, look, if I I happen to think he's probably an intelligent guy, okay? Maybe, maybe he's not, maybe he's a dumbo. But you know, if that if he was an intelligent dude, you'd hate to think that, look, with a year of experience in a whole new offseason, um, you know, that he couldn't somewhat pull it together. Does that mean I think he should stay around? No, like I, I think he definitely needs to be replaced. Um, I think it was a huge mistake in the first place. I just, you know, I, I just look back on recent history, and it just seems like how, you know, how often does Belichick, um, you know, admit to making mistakes? You know what I mean? Like I feel like he would double down on this and give him another season or two to make it work before he, 
uh, you know, makes a quick decision and pulls the strings. So I don't know. I, I want him gone, but I just have a weird feeling he's not going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, look, you're, you're probably right, but, but it's, 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 it's based more on, I think Belichick's emotional attachment to Patricia than it is on an honest assessment of what's happened on the field. This has been an abject disaster. Does Matt Patricia deserve to be back if things don't get better in the second half? No, he does not because it's not just like their offense is bad. It's just, you watch this team and there is something so fundamentally off. I'm not a football expert. I'm not a football genius, Justin. I really, I'm just a fan that watches the game. Okay. And it just looks and feels like there's something so wrong about, and just like out of sync about this offense that, 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 that I've never seen anything like it before. They're totally, totally, totally just like tepid and, and out of sync and everything just seems like it doesn't work right. Um, There's no way you should bring this guy back. It was an experiment that failed is what it was. And it may cost you, Mac Jones's career and his buy-in and his willingness to be here and his psyche might be the price of all that. So will he be back? Yes, he probably will be because Belichick has a loyalty to him for some reason. Should he be back? Absolutely not. And that leads me to my next question, Justin, which is we have in the past said that, that this, and we said this even before the season started and it's on old episodes. If you go back and listen, that if this whole little thing with Patricia and Judge doesn't work and Mac Mac Jones ends up taking a huge step back this year, we said that that might be grounds for dismissal of Bill Belichick. Is the Bill Belichick doomsday clock moving forward or backward in your mind right now, Justin, based on the abject failure that the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge experience and experiment has been through nine games? I mean, look, I'm not going to... I'm not moving it anywhere because, to be completely honest, I think given all the failures that this team has had, from at, you know, given at the coaching level, uh, the personnel level, uh, you know, the overall performance, I think anybody else besides Bill Belichick coaching this team, you know, we wouldn't be five and four right now in a in, in a position to, um, to to salvage our season. So I still got to do, I you know, I do still have to give Bill credit because I think he schemed up some great uh, game plans and defensive strategies, uh, you know, to to secure us some of the wins that we've gotten along the way. Um, and overall, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not saying I'm, you know, moving it back, but I'm definitely not moving it forward. I think it's neutral right now. I think it stays where it is. You know, Justin, I, believe it or not, I actually agree with you because I feel like if what this year has proven one thing, it's that Bill Belichick is still a terrific X's and O's coach. And the fact that this team with all the problems they've had on offense is five and four, um, that's a tremendous credit to Belichick. And every time you go into a game with Bill Belichick against a mediocre or less team, you have a huge advantage. And and this team wins or tends to win those games 80, 90% of the time. You throw Belichick out the door, you know, you might be bringing in someone that can't even give you that. So I feel like Belichick is going to give you mediocrity at least. Um, but they're in a real dilemma with this Matt Patricia thing because until they develop a franchise quarterback, I think that's all Bill Belichick can give you, and that's mediocrity. Um, you throw you throw him away, you know, you might have the next. Um, I don't know. I mean, who's who's a total burnout as a head coach, young guy that's come in and, and out. You know what I mean? Those guys are out there. Um, so I, I agree with you. I'm not moving the Belichick to take clock forward. I have it where it is. If anything, I might even move it backwards because because he's shown this year what what he's capable of doing as a head coach. 
is is at least making you mediocre. If everything else falls apart, he finds a way to beat half the league, you know, just based on his ability to coach X's and O's. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. So, all right, Justin, let's move on to another, just one more thing I have to mention um, along these lines. And I found this really interesting was, did you see the story that um, Shaq Leonard um, was calling out the Patriots plays during the game? No, I did not see this. Oh my God. So Shaq Leonard, the Colts linebacker, apparently was calling out with regularity, the plays the Patriots were running. Okay. And I found it really interesting for a couple of reasons. One is the Patriots players were the ones that said it. Okay. So it came from Patriots players in the locker room after the game, which I thought was damning because why are the Patriots players letting out dirty laundry like that for all the whole world to hear? Okay. And then number two, at his press conference yesterday, Bill Belichick acknowledged it, admitted it, and said they have to do better. And I thought that was a huge shot at Matt Patricia. That was the first sign, I thought, of a crack in the Belichick-Patricia uh, relationship. Um, what does it say about this, this, this operation here um, that the Pats' plays were getting called up by the Colts, Justin? And specifically, is Belichick acknowledging that publicly a huge swipe at Matt Patricia? Do you think it is? Because I do. I don't know if it's necessarily a huge swipe at Matt Patricia. I mean, you know, you'd have to think uh, that in a way, basically what it's saying is that the offense offense is either, you know, has been simplified to a point um, where it's just so easily identifiable and and, and readable and predictable from from a defensive standpoint. Um, And that makes you wonder, right? That that makes you wonder, is that because the coaches aren't capable of dealing with a comp, you know, a, a complicated offense. Is it because they don't think their quarterbacks can handle um, a complicated offense? You know, it it, it does raise uh, some serious concerns um, and makes you wonder. You know, really, what is the issue? Uh, but what it says to me is that the coaches, the coaches, don't really know what they're doing at an NFL level. That's really what it says to me. You know, that they they don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean. It it definitely says something about you know like does it tell does like does it tell you that it's simple like that they've simplified yes everything it says that it's a, easy it's right? mostly over it's oversimplified Justin I'm I'm calling out the plays at home sometimes and I don't know what I'm talking about so you know I mean I I when they if they go back into the shotgun and do that stupid handoff to Damian Harris one more time. Okay, you know what? I see that coming from. They do it ten times a game. Like if you and I are calling out the plays during the games, then clearly the opponents are. And it's like stunning because this is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is supposed to be the one that's calling out your plays, not you calling out his plays. Yeah. And and I think that it really is a huge like. Yes, this is a this is a grossly simple, antiquated, out of sync. Um, uninventive offense because the coaches don't really know how to coach offense. That's what I, I think it's, I think it's damning. I really do. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely not a good sign. You know, you hope to, you wonder what they can do to fix it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it, at this point in the season, how do you exactly uh, go about kind of, you know, re retooling your, your playbook and, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing. Um, you, you wonder if it's really going to cause some some bumps down the road. Yeah, well, look, what can they do to fix it? Fire, fire Matt Patricia. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but listen, if it wasn't Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, and they didn't have a friend-buddy-buddy relationship, 
if an offensive coordinator just for like Team X, you know, look at Indianapolis, right? Last week they fired their OC. Um, if, if any other OC in the league performed as badly as Matt Patricia has, they would be on the chopping block. It might be a, a midseason casualty. And I mean that seriously because it, that's how bad I think it's been. Justin, on the other side of the um, sideline, what did you think about the Colts firing Frank Reich? I, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, 40 and 33 career record. He's won a couple playoff games. I think Reich's a good coach. The problem with that team is they don't have a quarterback. Why is Reich the fall guy? I couldn't agree more. I actually like Frank Reich. Um, look, they they had to deal with Carson Wentz last year, talented loser, huge bum, right? They had to deal with Matt Ryan this year, talented loser, huge bum. Um, and not only that, but they've had a number of injuries uh, to key players. Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, widely considered one of the best young running backs in the league, um, dominant player. He's missed the majority of the season with an ankle injury. You had guys like Shaq Leonard missing time um, with injuries as well. Other members of their uh, secondary. So you know you got their they're they're onto their second string quarterback um, for God's sake. So yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's a fair criticism of the coach. Like I think he's shown that um, you know he he can be successful when 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 he's got the horses. Um, this is a team that I really think should have kept Frank Reich around. Um, and plan to hopefully they're planning on getting a quarterback in the draft this year. Um, you know, plenty of good ones to choose from, but that that's really what it is. It's it's been injuries in their quarterback play over the last two years, not their head coach. Uh, absolutely, and can I say something else, Justin, about this? Which is like to show you how dysfunctional the Colts are from an ownership level, right? Because we all know Jim Mercy is a goon. Um, and I think, I think, look, as bad as Carson Wentz was for them, and I know you hate Carson Wentz, okay, Matt Ryan was a huge downgrade from Carson Wentz. This team was much better with Carson Wentz. And I'm not here to extol, to say that, you know, Carson Wentz is this great quarterback. But I think that, I think that the Indianapolis team in Wentz was a good fit. And I think that they got, they got the best out of Carson Wentz, and they were a good team last year. Um, they got rid of Carson Wentz on the whim of the owner because the owner was pissed about what happened in Jacksonville and basically said, I'm not bringing this guy back. And in doing so, they gave themselves a worse situation at quarterback this year, not a better one. Fast forward to this year, right? How does it make sense, Justin, that the Colts fire their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, last week before this game, and then after this game, they go and fire Frank Reich. If they knew that Frank Reich's job was in jeopardy, why would you fire your offensive coordinator and make him the fall guy a week before? If you're going to fire your head coach, don't you at least want your offensive coordinator around so that, you know, you have someone that has some experience with the offense who can run plays for the remainder of the season. I just thought it reeked of emotional, you know, impulsive decision-making that we know Jim Irsay is very capable of. I mean, it, you know, I think they made a huge mistake. By 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 firing Reich, but I think it was an emotional mistake. Look, this this has been a dysfunctional franchise for quite some time, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it. I don't think it's uh, you know, and, and they haven't really done anything to to get any better in that sense. Um, if this team, you know, was really serious about winning, they would have made a move for a serious quarterback. They would have made a move um, to draft somebody. You know, like they they, they tried to ever, ever since they you know they got the unfortunate. Luck, no pun intended, of Andrew Luck, you know, getting that neck injury. I believe it's a neck injury, right? And uh, that, that's what forced him to retire. Um, yep. 
you know, they've tried to band-aid the, 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 the problem. And you know what? If, if, if they had just gone out and drafted somebody or, or traded for a young guy, you know, they, 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 he could be in the prime of his career at this point. Um, and, 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 you know, they've just kind of kicked the can down the road. Uh, yeah, I, 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 Jim Irsay, I think, is a, is, is a huge kind of – I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. He's, just, he's, he's a goon. He's a goon. He's, like, he's, he's creepy. I think he's incompetent. Um, yeah, I, I don't trust a single thing they do over there. And I think it was very telling, you know, when McDaniels, uh, you know, reneged on his deal only just to come back and be the offensive coordinator here, which we all speculated well, well, was because he was going to be the, the eventual head coach, and that never happened either. So maybe it just begs the question, is Indy just that incompetent and uh, looked down upon by, by, by people who, you know, know the inside scoop? Yeah, absolutely. And look, Jim Mercer is is a guy that I, I just it strikes me, and I don't know the guy obviously, but like you know, first of all, <laughs> he he's out there speaking about Daniel Snyder a few weeks ago. You're not the spokesman, Jim. You're the last guy to be the spokesman. You have plenty of things that you've done wrong. You've embarrassed the league. Like the fact that he even took that role upon himself shows you how tone deaf and impulsive the guy really is. I get the impression from Jim Irsay, and again, I don't know him, but if his father wasn't a wildly wealthy and successful person, Jim Irsay would not be a successful person. Like He just happened to find station in life that put him in position to be really the, the heir or the su- successor to his father's greatness and wealth. You know, And I would say something very different for the record about someone like, say, Jonathan Kraft, right? Jonathan Kraft is a great, brilliant businessman in my opinion, regardless of where he was born or what he did, that guy was going to be a successful guy no matter what. Jim Irsay is the complete opposite. Jim Irsay was just lucky genes, lucky genes, lucky place in life and, and managed shit to get it. But, you know, you see the clown show of a franchise he's running and we haven't even mentioned who he hired to be Frank Reich's replacement, which is literally insane. Yeah, Jeff Saturday, right? Yeah, a TV yeah. commentator. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, I God. get it. Like, he was a former Colt. Like, you know. Um, Never coached a team before. Yeah. I, it, absolutely crazy. It was funny, too. You see that, like, Saturday was like, I, I forget exactly what he said, but he was he was running his mouth on social media. And, you know, they're not comments you make as a head coach of or a potential coach in the NFL. So it was just kind of funny to see how. They, should be, know, they, how they were investigating. They were investigating Stephen Ross for tanking. They should be investigating Jim Irsay. This is like uh, this is like the producers from Mel Brooks. It's like he's setting this up for failure so they can tank the season and have a good draft pick to draft the quarterback. If you you know he clearly, I think, setting his own franchise up to lose. It's crazy. Yeah, it, definitely crazy. Um, has Jeff Saturday come out and said anything? Like, has anyone asked him? Like, hey, were you expecting this at all? Like. I didn't even. I don't even know. I haven't. I didn't hear anything he said. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious what uh, what he has to say. But yeah, it's it's a shame because they got some good young talent, um, on both sides of the ball in Indianapolis, and uh, you just wonder how long this team is gonna not only stay dysfunctional, but you know how long it's gonna take them, if at all, to to rebuild and and, and become contenders. Okay, a couple other things. Then we're gonna move on to the league, Justin. Um, 
watching the game Sunday against against the Colts, I know you had mentioned the running back room was the strength of this team, and I, I agree with that. Damian Harris, Rondo's team, both excellent backs. But do you agree with me that this team really needs some speed at the running back position? As great as Harris is, and I know Stevenson, he's he's a good all-around back. They miss a James White type, right? And I think especially with Mac Jones' skill set, I think someone like a James White or a Tion Lewis or a Danny Woodhead would be just like such an asset and such a huge thing for them. Do you agree with me that this team really misses? They don't have anyone in that role, and it's really puzzling because they've always had someone in that role for years. You know, they went from one to the next to the next, from Kevin Falk to Dion Lewis to you know Danny Woodhead to you know I could go on and on and on. Um, they haven't filled that Shane Vereen, James White. For some reason, they, they stopped filling that role, and I think they really miss, miss it. Well, I think they thought that was going to be Ty Montgomery coming into this season, right? Um, you know, once James White retired, it was kind of like green light for Montgomery to maybe be that third down uh, third down back, that pass-catching back, you know, add a little bit of speed in, um, in depth to that backfield. Now – I'm I'm unaware. Is he still injured? Like, is he just not playing? Like, what's his deal? Ty Montgomery. I think he's out for the year. He's out for the year. Okay, so so there, so there you go. Um, and you know how Bill Belichick and the Patriots look at running backs, right? They look at them as very replaceable, traditionally used by committee, not worth um, you know, giving up uh, valuable assets or worth spending high draft picks on. So. They came into this year with the game plan. They said we got our two, you know, our two-headed monster in the backfield with Stevenson and Harrison. In uh, Harris, um, we got Ty Montgomery back there, like you know, like we just said, third down back, speed, pass catching, all that stuff. He got hurt, and you know, they weren't. They said, hey, it's not worth going out and uh, and filling that void or replacing him. They didn't want to give up any draft capital for anybody. Um, and I mean, I, I I don't really blame them. So I think they just rolling with what they had. But I think they definitely wanted uh, someone in that role, and I think that was their plan. And it just didn't work out. It does feel like though that a lot of the guys they drafted have been more like big, bulky guys. Even this year, you know, I thought Kevin Harris. I mean, Pierre Strong has a little bit of speed, but maybe not on that like Woodhead scat back. You know, James White, Shane Vereen type speed. Um, they're drafting a bigger running back bigger bigger bulkier guys now and uh i don't know like you know you say Tom montgomery they, they were really you think they were really putting their eggs in the basket of a really a journeyman player with a pretty considerable injury history um you know i don't know i mean that I, sounds I think, like classic patriots to me <laughs> you're right <laughs> i like to emphasize the position a little more justin uh who in the second half of the year is the patriot is the patriots player that they can least afford to lose to injury uh, on the offensive side of the ball and the defense on both sides. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I don't even think it's a question. I think it's Matthew Judon. Um, he's just dominating so much right now. He's clearly the leader um, in that front seven, and he's making big plays. He's single-handedly helping the Patriots um, win games. We saw what happened last year, not only to the defense, but the team as a whole, when he kind of you know got injured towards the end of last year and kind of fizzled out, and that was – you know, that defense did a complete 180. They looked awful. Um, so I think he's the most important defensive uh, player so far. On offense, I you know, I you'd have to maybe say one of the linemen, I think, right? I'm going to potentially say Trent Brown. Um, 
And I say that because we've seen that a good Trent Brown is one of the best, if not the best, offensive linemen in the league. And we've seen that a bad Trent Brown is a liability and uh, really a detriment to, to, to our game plan out there. And so when you have a player like that who has such a wide range of outcomes and he's so physically unique... Um, and he's supposed to be anchoring uh, a, such an important part of our offense that has struggled. Um, you know, I, I have to look at him and have to say that, you know, he, he really needs to play better the second half. And if he doesn't, I think they're going to continue to struggle. Right. Well, well, if they, if they, I mean, Trevor Brown was going to be my answer on offense, by the way, because I totally agree. And it's partially because they have nothing else to tackle. Say what you will about Trevor Brown. He's inconsistent. Um, you know, he, he, he hits his highs and his lows. He's injury prone. Whatever you say about him, he's really the only decent tackle they have on their roster right now. They have a huge gaping hole at right tackle. Um, Yadni Kajust, Marcus Cannon, Isaiah Wynn, none of them have stepped in to fill that role. As bad as this offensive line has been, they lose Trent Brown. Um, now you've got Isaiah Wynn on one side and Yadni Kajust and Marcus Cannon on the other side. Then you're really in trouble then you're really in trouble. If you think the line is bad now, wait till you see what that would look like. So I, I agree with you. Brown is a player they cannot afford to lose to injury in the second half. Um, on defense, you know, I, I obviously chewed on is the, is the obvious pick. If I had to make a second pick, I would say Jonathan Jones because Jonathan Jones has played really well. Um, he's their most stable, reliable cornerback. And uh, they're playing some big time passing attacks coming up. So, um, Jonathan Jones is going to have to prove that he is what he's looked like through the first nine games, which is a, kind of a legit number one corner. Um, they cannot afford to lose him playing the Vikings, playing the Bengals, playing the bills twice. Um, they, they cannot afford to lose him. Justin, who's been the Patriots MVP in the first half uh, besides Matt Judon? Cause we know Matt Judon is obviously the number one pick besides Matt Judon. Who's been their MVP. Besides Matt Judon. Um, I think you just named a good candidate in Jonathan Jones. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to take probably the low hanging fruit. And I say it's the low hanging fruit because I think he's been um, the best player on the offensive side of the ball. And that's Ramondre Stevenson. I think like he's really helped us uh, compete and be proficient in an area that we've really uh, needed, you know, especially with the struggles we've had in the passing game and the overall offense itself. He's really been a bright spot. Um, he's pretty much been performing, you know, week in and week out. And, uh, he's shown that he, you know, he can, he can take the rare duty in the Patriots offense of being a bell cow, uh, you know, running back in terms of his workload and his usage. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, uh, Ramondre. I'm, I'm going to go. I think that's a great pick Ramondre. Um, go with Nick Falk. Okay. Nick Folk has been their MVP, uh, besides, Matt Judah. I mean, really, that's a sad commentary on this offense, but yeah. uh, he, he's been very reliable. And, and you know, there have been many situations this year where they have counted on him to four field goals, five field goals in a game once. Uh, he misses one of those field goals um, against the Jets. He misses one of them um, even against the Lions. Um, you know, it could be a different game. So I think, I think Folk has been stable and reliable. I have to go with uh, MVP, who's been their biggest disappointment um, in the first half so far. You know, my biggest disappointment, um, again— Besides I, Matt, because everyone's going to say Matt. Right. I would say besides Matt. 
Yeah, besides Mac, I mean, you you could easily point to to some of the linemen, right? You could point to Isaiah Wynn. You could point to uh, Trent Brown. There's I'm gonna, a lot of disappointment to go around. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of disappointment to go around. I'm gonna pick maybe somebody a little off kilter, maybe somebody that like you know you wouldn't typically say, but I'm gonna say Hunter Henry, um, and I'm gonna say that Good because. Call. Hunter Henry was somebody who was one of the lone bright spots um, last year in this offense. Him and Max seemed to have a great rapport. He was dominant at times, um, and he was very consistent. Really thought he was going to take that next step this year, especially if he remained healthy, and him and Mac would build on that connection, um, and he would continue to uh, ascend, not only in this offense, but in the league. And he's just been non-existent um he's been non-existent he's been ineffective i have he, you know he hasn't really had a single uh big game i think his best game was mediocre at best um and it, it, it's it's really a shame because they have two talented guys and neither of them are, are playing up to par yeah that that's a great call hunter henry has, has been a huge disappointment there's there's so many candidates for this one i have to give co disappointment uh you know awards to uh number one and two to me, are Kendrick Bourne and, and Nelson Aguiar. I personally don't have high expectations for Nelson Aguiar. I did never understood the signing. I never loved the player even before he came here. Frankly, I didn't know what the hell Belichick was doing in signing him. Okay, but they paid him a ton of money. And he has just been, if you consider his salary, okay, taking my own personal lack of expectations for him, my own personal opinion for him, just looking at uh, out of the equation, just looking at what they paid this guy and what he's produced on the field, He's been a total dud. He's fumbled several times in key spots, I might point out. Huge spot in Miami. They were still in the game fumbled. Huge spot against Baltimore. Big play, fumbled. Okay, he took them out of both those games when they still had a chance. Okay, he was responsible for Bailey Zappi's only interception. He really, short of one play against Pittsburgh, which was a really nice play um, that helped them win that game, he has not made a play this whole year that, that, that I think is memorable or befitting of the investment this team has made in him. So I have to go with him. And then Kendrick Bourne, we all had high expectations for because he had such a great year last year. Uh, we all thought he could take a step up instead of from being that six touchdown guy to maybe a 10, 12 touchdown guy, having a real connection with Mac. And he's more or less been a complete and total non-factor runs the wrong routes. He's made several mental mistakes and he fumbled this week as well. So this whole wide receiving core is a mess. Um, they suck, they fumble, they drop passes, they don't make plays, there's no playmaking, there's no speed. But, but I think I think Aguiar and Bourne have to be my, my top two picks for disappointment. Yeah, Justin, yeah you can't really it? go wrong. Yeah, throw a dart at the offense. Really you can't go wrong. There's plenty of candidates on the offense. So, Justin, what's it going to take for this Patriots team to make a playoffs? Let's take a look ahead, right? They're 5-4, and four, and on the surface, they're in great shape to make it. They got eight games left. My feeling is you know you look at their schedule coming up jets um vikings bills um then they got after that jets vikings bills um cardinals raiders bengals dolphins bills that's a little bit of a tougher schedule um i think they got a win one of those three games against the, the they got three games against the bills and vikings I think they got to win one of those three games. I think they got to win three of the four games against the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Cardinals, and the Raiders. I, I mean, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Cardinals, and the Jets. I'm, I'm assuming they'll beat the Raiders because they're a mess. Um, I think that's their path to the playoffs. What do you think? 
Yeah, they're going to have to uh, steal a couple of these, you know, th- these tough games they got coming up. Um, you got to beat the Jets, I think, right? Like, 100% you have to beat the Jets. Um, it would be so nice. Look, Buffalo proved that they're not, you know, almighty. They they do have, you know, their, uh, their shortcomings, and they can be beaten. And look, if the Jets in Zach Wilson can beat this Bills team, then that gives me hope that, you know, if this Patriots offense is clicking and in this defense that we think is very talented, you know, they have a chance to take one from the Bills. They do. Not saying they will, but, you know, a few weeks ago, I would have told you this Patriots team didn't have a chance. They were going to definitely go 0-2. Now I'm saying I think there's a chance they could split 1-1. Um, yeah, well, look, you got to hope for, like, another weather thing, too. January 7th in Buffalo, December 1st in Foxborough. You want, like, freezing rain or crazy wind or foot of snow. I mean, that might be their best chance to, to get a win against the Bills, right? The Vikings game, look, I know the Vikings are 7-1, and one, and I know they're a really good team. For some reason, I feel like the Patriots will match up well with that team. I feel like I feel like the Patriots – can 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 play with that team and maybe it's just because i don't think kirk cousins i think he's good but not great um but but they're but the bottom line is if you really look at the schedule they got to win one of those three games and then they got to win four out of the other five and if they do that they'll win 10 games and they should be the playoffs. they should and look i i don't know if it's ever been done actually i don't think it's ever been done and for the last it's only been possible the last couple of years but there is really a chance that all four of this these AFC team uh, AFC East teams make the playoffs like there really is you know what I mean like as of right now um the Dolphins and the Jets are in the playoffs and I think the Patriots you know I, I they're either tied or losing on a tiebreaker to the Chargers I think I just saw um so yeah very realistic it could be an AFC East dominated playoff uh playoff appearance it could it could the pa- look the path is there and we're lucky they have it. I mean, the bottom line is that to beat those teams, to beat the Bengals, to beat the Vikings, to beat the the Dolphins, even in Foxborough in January, Max Jones has to be better. The offense has to be better. The coaching has to be better. And they have to score more points. That's the bottom line, right? You're not going to beat you're not going to beat the Bengals, even if the Bengals aren't quite what they were last year. If you come out and play like you played against the Lions, you know you can beat the Lions. You can beat the Browns. You can beat. You can beat the Colts. You can't. You can't beat some of the teams that are coming up if they play on offense like they played this week, this this week, and really for most of this year. Justin, let's move on to um, some of the topics in the league. Uh, I want to get to before we wrap it up. Um, Josh Allen had a pretty big injury um, this this week. It looks like it's not a serious serious injury, which I I'm actually happy about. Do you agree with me that you don't want Josh? I don't want Josh Allen to be out. Yeah, I want I want the best players to be on the field, and 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 I don't want to see the Patriots beating the Bills with Cade McCown as the quarterback. Like I don't know, it doesn't sound so appealing. I want Josh Allen out there. What do you think? A hundred percent. Look, I I'm not rooting for the Bills in any way, shape, or form, but I think this is an organization that deserves a fair shot. Um, you know, to put their best foot forward this year, and it's already a shame they're already down. Um, you know, they lost Micah Hyde for the season, one of the leaders on that defense. Um, they're still trying to work Jadavious White back from injury. Um, this, this this is a team that you really hope, you you know, you can see them at their best. And, and look, it just, just as a, you know, as far as competition goes, you know, you never really feel good about beating a team 
that's not at full strength, right? So, you know, you'd like to see the Bills at full strength, um, and you'd like to see them, you know, being able to put their their, their best foot forward. And I think um, it was nice to see that, you know, like we said, they're not uh, they're not unbeatable. So, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how much this does actually affect Josh Allen um, and, and for how long. And, uh, you know, it's it, maybe the Bills go on a little skid. Who knows? If, if Josh Allen were to miss significant time, Justin, who would, who would be, who would benefit, what he would benefit the most from that? If Josh Allen were to miss significant time. Um, uh, that's tough. I mean, look, at, at all the AFC East teams, can right? I give you, can I give you my answer then? Well, okay, sure. The yeah. Do you think the, the Dolphins? Dolphins? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, the Dolphins would. If Josh Allen goes down for the year, or misses like a, enough chunk of time, the Dolphins are poised to strike and, and take this division and make a deep playoff run. Like, really, I mean, I don't think any team benefits more from from Josh Allen and Buffalo collapsing hypothetically than the Miami Dolphins. I get. Yeah, I. The only reason I could potentially say Patriots is just because we haven't played them either time yet right so we still got two matchups against them whereas you know the jets and the uh the dolphins had to well and, and actually you know what you, you, when i look when i think about it you know i was about to say the jets and the dolphins had to play them but they both beat them um yeah so yeah you know it, it probably is the dolphins and look at this point the dolphins they're going to be one of those teams like look that's not a good defense that's a defense that has injuries they're lacking some talent um in in they've shown that you know you can put up points on them so uh that's a team that's going to need all the help they can get but you're right i mean the patriots would benefit a lot too because you you have to think like the pathway to the playoffs that we just talked about if josh allen misses time like that pathway opens up wide now imagine you're playing buffalo twice without allen you're going to win at least one of those games it really changes the whole landscape of the season. Whereas now, I mean, I'm kind of penciling both those games in as losses um, without Allen, the pages would benefit significantly. Um, Justin, uh, should, should, should we be looking at green Bay and Aaron Rodgers' window for championship? Is it closed? Is Aaron Rodgers done winning super bowls? Is Aaron Rodgers still a super bowl caliber quarterback? I don't think so. I mean, it, you know, and that's not like, obviously his, performance in his play has lacked and suffered this season and he just does not look um he just doesn't look good but you wonder if he's kind of mentally checked out too you know what i mean like he i feel like he's been teetering on that line the last couple years like his commitment his enthusiasm in question um i just feel like he the last thing he wants to do is rebuild and it looks like that's what this packers team is doing on offense they uh, they failed to get him, you know, a, a big star or someone who could come right the ship uh, by the trade deadline. They have all, you know, young rookie or second year uh, wide receivers out there. Um, it, it, it's just a, it, it's a tough situation for him right now. And I don't think I think that's the last thing he's looking to do. Um, well, well, just to your point, like to wrap wrap it back to the first conversation we had, like Aaron Rodgers was an MVP caliber he won the MVP last year, didn't he? And now he looks like half the quarterback he was. And, and we're talking about his window closing. And, and and is that because of him? Or is that because the talent around him significantly depreciated this year? 
I I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I I tend it's probably to, more because of the talent around it, right? Well, I mean, don't you think so? Exa- that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say like I I definitely think it's a little bit of both, but it's got to be more so because of the talent he's got around him. Um, look, they shipped out Devontae Adams, his favorite weapons, one of the best receivers uh, in the NFL. The rest of his wide receivers, you know, even the the young guys he has, they've been injured. They've been inconsistent. You know, Christian Watson has missed time. Old faithful Randall Cobb has been injured in missed time. Um, Alan Lazard has been injured in missed time. So this is, you know, Ron, uh, Ronnie they Dobbs. Got a bunch of number, yeah. They got a bunch of number three receivers, just like the Patriots. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. No number one. No go-to guy. It's like, it's hard to win without that, that go-to receiver in the NFL now. Um, jo- Justin, will Josh McDaniels even make it to his second year as a head coach in Oakland? I mean, things are going, talk about things going south for, for, for coach. I mean, I don't know. McDaniels seems like everything's gone wrong for that franchise this year. I mean, you'd have to think he's got to be, one of the next coaches on the chopping block, right? Like, you know, for, right. I, I, it's, it's been just abysmal what's been going on there. Um, you know, we, everyone was kind of hoping, and to be honest, I was even kind of hoping that he went out there and he made the Raiders competitive in a tough division. And, you know, he took his shot and he, he runs with it and he builds a successful program. I mean, in the off season, you know, the preseason, we said, you know, when they, when they came into town and the second and third stringers kind of smacked the hell out of the Patriots, we said, all right, maybe, you know, maybe McDaniels is, is doing something out there. Um, but they just they just look hopeless. Like, they have no defense to speak of. Um, Derek Carr, again, another talented loser. Um, it, it, it's, a, it, you know, it's a crappy situation out there for, for Vegas. They just – I saw, you know, too, they just released – their former, I think he's either a first or second round pick, their safety, Jonathan Abrams. I didn't even see what that was for. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the team in disarray right now. It is. And I think, you know, with any other owner, I think that McDaniels would at least get a second year. Um, but, but I think with that owner, that's another, that's another Mark Davis, another guy that just kind of lucked into the right circumstances, not really a patient guy, not really temperate, not really wise kind of impulsive, kind of emotional. I think great chance McDaniels. I, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he fired him during the season, you know, knowing Mark Davis and, and the way that they do things and the way things are going out there. So, yeah, I think there's a realistic chance that McDaniels does not make it to year two. And um, if I was Belichick, I'd bring him back in a second, a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially given the alternative, you know, with what we have now, maybe, you know, maybe that was just it. Maybe McDaniels, you know, he's not the best head coach, but, you know, hey, stick him in the offensive coordinator seat. Uh, let him coach a young quarterback. Maybe that was the, the big, you know, secret, secret ingredient last year that made Mac and the offense look pretty good. Right. And not every coach is there. There have been many coaches that are great coordinators, but lousy head coaches. And that just might be what Josh McDaniels is. And Quite frankly, that's 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 totally okay, and, and and I think that if I was Josh McDaniels and, and I failed again in Oakland and I got fired within one year, I, I think coming back to New England would be a great landing spot because it's a him McDaniels and Belichick is is a match made in heaven. It's a good matchup, and 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 it worked for a long time. So that might be the best place, the best kind of role for Josh McDaniels is with a strong head coach. Um, Justin, 
Was the win this week against Buffalo a statement win for the New York Jets? If so, what was the statement that was made? I'll tell you what. If I I don't read into you know as much into the win uh, as some people do. I, look, I'll, I'll tell you the two big takeaways I take. You know, I take from it. Um, Robert Sala is a very good coach. That's the first thing I'll take away from it. The second thing is that the Bills are not gods. They are beatable. You can um, expose them, and you can keep them in check. Uh, it's still, however, like in that in you know the reason why I say it look makes Robert Sala you know or affirms that Robert Sala is a great coach is because to me it doesn't say much about the Jets team overall. I still don't think take them as a serious threat. I still think the Patriots are going to beat them the second time around. I I don't think with Zach Wilson you can make you, you know you can do any serious damage in the playoffs. Um and I and, and I do I, you know I do really question uh this team's potential. I do think they're very talented. Um but I ju- I just see too many problems with them and I, and I don't think they're a serious contender. To me Justin and I think it sounds like we're on the same page. This win says a lot more about the Jets. I mean, excuse me, about the Bills than it does the Jets, right? right. It tells me that even though the Bills are, I still think, the best team in the NFL, and even though I think they're the best team in the division and the best team in the conference, sure, what they aren't is they're not infallible. They're not, they're not super elite, and, 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 and really they're beatable is what it tells me. If Zach Wilson can beat the Buffalo Bills, then, then maybe Mac Jones can too. I don't know. But, 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 but I took that more of a statement of, of, of Buffalo's fallibilities than, than that the Jets are, are a real team. Now, I'm not taking away credit from the Jets. I think it says that the Jets aren't going to totally fold like we expected them to after last week's loss to the Patriots. And it says that there's a lot of strengths on that Jets team and that if everything goes right for them, they can win against any team in the league in spite of the fact that they have absolutely nothing at quarterback. And, and that is the statement from the Jets. But, but I think it is honestly a much more of, of, a, of a reflection of, of, of the fact that Buffalo maybe has some vulnerabilities that we really undervalue, you know, going into the, uh, going into the, the second half. Um, J- Justin, what, what did you think about the game this week between Justin Fields and Tua Tagliavoloa? I want to call it the wrong bowl for us because each of each team it featured a quarterback that one of us was dead wrong about yeah. uh going into the air. Um you were dead wrong about Justin Fields and the Bears. I was dead wrong about two Taglia below it, the Dolphins. Um what did you think of the of the matchup that they had this week? And um you know are you buying the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields is having turned the corner? Look, I it's tough to it's tough to bet against Justin Fields right now, right? We saw it in person in Gillette Stadium. Um, the Dolphins just just witnessed it, right? Um, you know, even even the Cowboys, uh, they they put up points against a, a great defense in Dallas. Um, Justin Fields, I think he's, you know, he's playing into his own. I think he's starting to get a little bit more freedom and flexibility in that offense. He's he's getting a little bit more comfortable as a result. I think they've taken. Um, they've taken some of the strings off and, you know, kind of let him, uh, you know, just, just do things a little bit more his way from what I've been hearing. Um, and, and it looks like it's working, you know, he's obviously a weapon on the ground. He's a great athlete, right? I think, you know, he, he almost looked Lamar Jackson esque, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, just the way he's been able to, 
to pick up uh, pick up yards and evade defenders with his feet, um, make steady, reliable throws that he needs to make. Uh, he, he's definitely turned a corner, and uh, you know, it, it could it be a fluke or, or, or you know, a, a flash in the pan, maybe. But my hunch tells me that uh, Justin Fields is starting to figure it out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget Justin. He did only throw for like 130 yards against the Dolphins. Like, I feel like you know. Fields has found his legs and, and, and they're finding some things that are working for him. He's a tremendous, um, tremendous runner. Um, and he does remind me of Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson is actually a really good passer. We've talked about that a lot. He's almost underrated. I think as a passer, he's underrated as a decision maker, sees the field really well. I mean, Lamar Jackson can make it rain just with his arm alone. Um, I'm encouraged by what I see from Justin Fields. Certainly, He's he's turning the he's turning the corner. I wouldn't say he's turned the corner yet, uh, but he's going to have to show he can actually throw the ball consistently um, in order to to really win me over. And I think, frankly, to have reliable, consistent success in the league, you know, he he's going to have to pass the ball consistently. Yeah, that's. I think that's still the question mark. Right? Is I'm definitely not sold that he's a, he's a marksman back there. He's obviously got a a powerful arm. Um, and like we alluded to, he can definitely do it on the ground, right? 178 rushing yards, I believe it was, uh, in Miami last right. week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He broke Michael Vick's record. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, and we've also seen him make some big throws, right? We've seen him make some big play throws down the field. We've seen him um, hit a man here or there, but we haven't seen him consistently tear up a defense with his arm. That's something that maybe now that he's you know shown that he's a little bit more of a threat and he can be a little bit more dangerous. Maybe he a relaxes back, you know, in there and uh, he forces defense to kind of, uh, you know, play the run and, and be ready for him to take off. And maybe that opens things up in the passing game for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I agreed. I mean, that, that's gotta be the, ne- the next step for him. hundred percent. All right, man. Anything else you wanted to hit on before we wrap it up? Uh, it was, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to have my pen and paper out on Sunday to try and be watching for good topics around the league so that we can have a good edition of the podcast next week. Cause without the Patriots playing, you know, this is going to be, it's always tough to come up with material on the bye week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, look, you know, it, I, I think we're going to get to see a lot more out of, you know, the, the potential uh, opponents in the AFC East. Right. Um, you know, Hey, the good thing about a bye week, I guess, is you can't lose, right. You can't lose, but the other teams that you're competing with can, so, you know, we hope that uh, a couple things bounce in our direction this weekend, and uh, we hope to bounce back strong against the Jets. So, a- Absolutely, my friend. Well, listen, I want to thank everyone that took the time to listen to this edition of the Dr. Football Podcast. As always, we had a great time doing it. We hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the week of games coming up and the relaxing of the bye week, relaxation of the bye week. You can go, go do something fun. Um, you know, get my wife asked me, Justin, if I wanted to do something. Um, and I was like, well, cause the Patriots weren't on. And I was like, well, yeah, but I want to be home between three and four 30, no matter what I do on Sunday, because that is the best reality television on TV that hour and a half end of the one o'clock games, right? Every week consistently. Yeah. That's just great entertainment. That's like, that's must watch TV for 17, 18 Sundays a year, right? You have to watch. That is the best television 
going on the red zone right now where they take you and look at this week was the perfect example. So, you know, even though it's the bye week, I'll still be plunked down in front of my television, at least for that hour and a half watching every play and, and hopefully, you know, enjoying it. And, and, and then we'll come back next week with a huge game against the Jets. And like you said, a total must win game. Can't lose that one. Or they'll be in big trouble. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, long bye week, but you know, hopefully some good football and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Got it, my man. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week and be good.